Welcome to All New, the show where we explore emerging social innovations and chat with social innovators. I'm your host, Daniel Weinsberg. In my recent travels through Colombia, I had the honor of spending time in the favelas of Medellin and Bogota. Just 10 years ago, these streets were the fronts for the drug wars and many, many guerrilla battles. So as a white dude bouncing through these graffiti-covered stair passageways and bullet-hole mark walls, I was expecting to be met with wary eyes, concerning and confused glances. But what I found was the opposite. And I was a little shocked. My assumption was based on my understanding of trauma, that residents of these favelas were the subjects, prisoners, perpetrators, and victims of decades of violence, and I cannot begin to imagine the images and experiences that they lived through. Any of us would be traumatized living through generations of warfare. But these people showed little signs of trauma. In fact, they presented as much more alive and vibrant than most of my most privileged peers. So the question became, in my mind, was how did these neighborhoods make the transition from violence to vibrance? From traumatized to self-realized? The answer was all around me. There were youth breakdancing in the streets, artists reclaiming the walls of their city, street poets telling the stories and rhymes as their peers pounded on the percussion of their ancestors. This experience was an object lesson the power of culture to cure, or as they say, la cultura cura. Through a deep connection to one another and their culture, they were able to keep their past traumas from impeding their ability to thrive in the present. Before we were mandated to stay isolated, many of us struggled with a lack of connection to ourselves, our cultures, our family, our friends, our purpose, and our environments. This lack of connection is at the root of many of our mental health challenges that present as anxiety, cutting, bullying, school shootings, depression, obsession, addiction, suicide, and the myriad of other mental health challenges me, you, and our neighbors batter daily. As the mental health conversation becomes more important, psychologists, therapists, and self-care practitioners are beginning to understand the importance of culturally compatible interventions to better serve the populations they seek to support. One example that I'm excited to share with you all today is about the use of hip-hop to help youth understand, expand, express, and erect a better future. Today, we're in conversations with the founders of Rhythmic Mind, a hip-hop therapy organization serving teens and transition-age youth in the greater Bay Area. Jonah, Max, thanks so much for joining me on this Friday afternoon. How are you guys doing today? Good, good, man. Yeah, yeah thank you for having us. Absolutely. Yeah. I got turned on to you guys about a month and a half ago. It was a different world back then, um, but I was really blown away. Uh, so I, I want to bring you on, um, and I think just to, to kick things off, if you could describe a little bit about what Rhythmic Mind is, and then we'll, we'll see where we go from there. Sounds good. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, thank you for having us, man. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, so Rhythmic Mind is a, a nonprofit hip-hop therapy organization, and we offer culturally responsive avenues uh, to teens and young adults to engage in their own empowerment through hip-hop as well as to help to design and inform their own modes of intervention 
in order to heal and transform themselves and their respective communities and unfold their highest potential. And what I was really provoked by and want to scratch out is like, how did you come to combining hip hop with mental health? I would say that um, for for myself, um, I, I you know I don't want to speak for both of us, even though I feel like I could on this part. Is uh, you know we're we're both I am, am long long my whole life I've been a a hip hop head, uh, and uh, hip hop has always been my first love and passion. Um, and when I went to grad school to study psychology, um, I learned a lot about that. That became another passion of mine. And so it was kind of natural for me to, uh, somehow want to combine those two things and see the power of, of what happens when we bring those two worlds together. And there's a, a lot more to my story of coming to that as well as as well as kind of how I saw that power and how me and Jonah together came together and saw that power. Um, but that's kind of the, that's the, the super basic answer to that question. I'll let Jonah chime in. Yeah, I feel like the personal and then the kind of overarching meta stories are actually pretty hard to parse apart in this regard of how we came to this work because they really were um, kind of series of unfolding events that led us to then ultimately into this, you know, creation of this program, Rhythmic Mind. Um, but then just to echo what Max said, I think that fundamentally it was from being a lifelong uh, hip hop head, you know, immersed in the culture uh, in various ways <clears throat> for decades and just kind of intuitively understanding the healing power that was there from that experience. And then in one way or another, and that's where the personal story starts to come back in a little bit, that bleeding into this journey into <clears throat> traditional kind of psychology, counseling psychology, mental health, uh, and then seeing how those two kind of enmesh. But but hip hop is definitely the, the core as opposed to the mental health piece. And to, and to unpack on that a little more and, and kind of piggyback off what Jonah said, I would say that the reason for that is because hip hop is so inherently therapeutic. Mm -hmm. There's so many aspects of hip hop that is inherently therapeutic. Um, without it becoming, without it actually being used deliberately as a therapeutic tool, which is what we've gone on to really kind of flesh out and unpack how to do, combined with our, our clinical knowledge and, and training and, and expertise. But there's so much already inherently in it that is therapy, you know? I mean, it's uh, from, from the level of resourcefulness involved to how much resilience, comes out of it to the deep exploration and introspective aspects of all the different art forms of the culture to the, the changing and the offering of one's narrative, which is a huge part of our model. Um, you know, all of that is in hip hop inherently, um, as well as just in terms of the, the history of the culture itself and where it came from, the fact that it was born out of oppression and it was, uh, you know, extreme uh, situations and circumstances where people had to really use this as a tool to look inward, create something out of nothing, speak about the realities of their circumstances and their environments in order to rise above them and, uh, and speak truth to power and create a platform for themselves to have a voice, which they did not have, um, which has then, which then also became a way for them to kind of heal themselves 
and rise above all of those adversities that were part of their reality. So that's all extremely therapeutic, you know, inherently therapeutic on its you know, in itself. And that's really just scratching the surface, to be honest. Me and Jonah could talk about this stuff for hours, but uh, I don't know if you want to add anything to that, Jonah. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, I didn't come to that full realization until I started to get a little more involved in the mental health component and understanding all that stuff from a mental health lens. And then looking back, being like, holy shit, that this hip hop has always been therapy all along. Um, yeah, but uh, but I would absolutely agree with everything Max said. I think that it, uh, at its core, really was uh, a incredibly ingenious way of establishing things like value, purpose, uh, expression of passion, which are all things people go to therapy for. Uh, but by a population, you know, it's youth of color, uh, incredibly um, oppressive conditions that didn't have access to any kind of therapy. So they created their own. And that's now gone on to become probably the biggest culture, subculture, if not cult, like culture, depending on how you want to parse that in the world. You know, literally every corner of the globe, there's people who participate in this culture, multi-billion dollar industry. Uh, so that, that part's always been pretty mind-blowing to me of how, how this thing that was created in this little tiny kind of South Bronx, right, right really right where it came from, and then the way that that's just mushroomed out, shows some of the power inherent. Yeah, I was uh, I was in Colombia in December, and I was hanging around in Medellin, and went up to some of the uh, flavelas up there, and to see the vibrant hip hop culture that is alive there was mind blowing. It felt like I, you know, imagine uh, the Bronx in the late '70s, early '80s. Some of these photos behind me are from there. Everything is bombed out beautifully. B boys break dancing on the streets. Cyphers are going on in corners and. And these are folks who have uh, gone through highly traumatic drug wars, yeah. cartels. And this is just naturally how they're expressing themselves, how they're dealing with the situation. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so what does rhythmic mind look like in practice when you're working <laughs> with the, uh, the teens? So the, um, the kind of core of our work is a 12-week is a program um, that is very multifaceted. Um, but really consists of three core aspects, which are discussion groups, beat making, and lyric writing. Um, and so we walk, you know, the youth through through a process of healing and transformation uh, that that really involves all of those dynamics. Um, and of course, hip hop is the the central focus of all those. So the discussion groups are really um, based around hip hop. Um, the beat making, obviously, they're making hip hop beats and then writing lyrics and eventually creating original songs. Yeah, and I would say that um, in terms of what it really looks like on the ground is a lot of these kids, they either have some experience making some hip hop music or they don't at all. But regardless, we give them the tools to like learn how to do all of that from scratch, even if they've never done it, how to um, be able to kind of quickly create a piece of music, both in terms of the beat and the lyrics um in a way that's not just like not just like creating it for the creating sake but doing it in a way that's actually extremely powerful and transformative because of all of the different aspects that we kind of integrate into it in terms from a clinical lens things like the neurobiology of the regulation of trauma symptoms through through the repetitive rhythmic patterns that they're engaging in uh as well as like 
all the different modalities of therapy that we're using, um, for instance, narrative therapy, solution-focused therapy, mindfulness, all that, there's a lot that goes into it. And so in this entire process that they go through, they're really getting an integrative experience using hip hop in this kind of context of healing and transformation and reauthoring of their, their personal stories, their narratives of who they are in the world and collaborating in that process with other kids. So building social skills and um, frustration tolerance and cooperation negotiation skills and all of that is taking place on the ground. And by the end of it, they actually have a, um, a finished product, a song that they've created collaboratively um, and then record that, that gets recorded and, and pressed up onto um, uh, either a digital format of a CD or download card and a uh, thumb drive. And they kind of, they go through a whole process. It's kind of a graduation ceremony where they, they get awarded with all their, all their, uh, the, the outcomes of that, of the program. Um, and then whenever possible, they actually perform as well. So in terms of what it looks like on the ground, it's like they, they learn how to do this stuff. And it's a very transformative experience. And then they get to share that with the community um, and have that, that music and their story kind of shared and, 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 and witnessed as it's being reauthored and kind of moved on to a new, a new path. And so are, are folks sent to you as some probation deferment program or are folks coming to you prior to having some, <clears throat> some crisis in their life? How are you getting your groups together? It really varies. It really varies. It depends on the organization we're working with, the contract, uh, the grant that we've gotten. Um, so by and large, the demographic is teens and young adults. So anywhere from age uh, about 14 to like 24. Um, is really our core demographic. And then, you know, quote unquote, at risk, um, we definitely prefer the term at promise, which there's a kind of movement, um, I believe even some legislature recently changing the, that terminology, just more of a strength focus versus a deficit focus. But, you know, youth who are dealing, you know, marginalization, trauma, all of those things that, that um, create sets of, you know, pretty severe challenge. Um, but those can be youth who are in schools, those can be youth who are in juvenile justice facilities, recently out of juvenile justice facilities. So there isn't really a specification <clears throat> around any of that okay. that we would or wouldn't work with. Um, it really just depends. We've definitely done programs in schools, um, have some, some stuff in the works to start working in juvenile justice facilities throughout the Bay Area. Um, yeah, so, so that, that definitely depends a bit. Max, is there anything else that? Yeah, I mean, I would say that it really, yeah, it, depending on who we're contracting with, it looks very different. So sometimes it might be a school that's directly wanting our program there. Other times maybe it's a nonprofit and they want to partner with us to be a site to host and recruit from local schools or from after school programs or from uh, maybe some maybe reentry through the arts kind of grants that are coming from people who are uh, youth or, or transitional age youth. That are, that are just leaving jails or prison and, and, uh, and, and want services. So, um, you know, it can look very, very different um, depending on that context. For sure. And what surprised you about this work so far? Um, I would say for me, what surprised me is sometimes like 
what sort of music the kids bring in because we didn't really go into the depth of what our model is but at certain points the kids bring in hip-hop songs about uh things that they have challenges with that they've kind of chosen to that, that they want to talk about in the discussion groups and they they choose which hip-hop songs that they want to bring in to discuss um to kind of best represent the way that they have uh you know a relationship to that challenge so um sometimes the kids will bring in stuff that you know you would expect them to but other times you would be really really surprised like i've been really surprised we've both been really surprised at certain choices that the kids have brought in like stuff that that's super conscious or just really real speaking tons of truth like isn't necessarily what you would expect or what even like they might have told you they're into so they they might have like you know they might have you got might have got an idea from a little bit of a relationship built that, that 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 only listens to certain kinds of music that only has a certain kind of message or a certain sound and then you find out oh no they actually like have some knowledge of like 90s classic era hip-hop or or they know certain things about artists that we don't know um or artists that we don't know that are actually contemporary, but are really like speaking a lot of truth and have really powerful messages. So that's one thing that surprised me. Another thing I would say that surprised me is how kids engage differently and how some of the kids like sometimes might, at the very beginning of the, of the program or group, they might show up like super kind of quiet and tentative. And you might even wonder like how engaged they are or how much they're getting out of it. And then at a certain point, they really open up and they like start they start like you know going really deep into the into the program and uh and and uh you know that can be surprising because you you might you might not have expected that sort of response you know what i mean yeah. so and, and i would say that that's in a lot of different ways the kid the way that responses we've gotten i've been very surprised by in a lot of different ways that they've shown up i'll let you know i'm showing us to add to that yeah, no, I, I think that um, <clears throat> kind of as a carry on from that, I've definitely been surprised with how uh, how much the youth are really fascinated by, not all of them, but a lot of them, and really soak up a lot of the, the deeper psychoeducation around some of the, the real mental health mechanisms and stuff around neurobiology and trauma. Because we, we try to weave that in in a way that's going to be you know palatable. Um, and that's kind of part of the idea is that hip hop is like part of what makes it all palatable. But I've been surprised at the level um, that a lot of these kids are like, that really kind of like lights them up and they start to really tune into those aspects and even start to then repeat some of that stuff back to us about, oh yeah, the rhythmic regulation. Yeah. You know, and like, I, I think I, getting into this work, I assumed that that was going to be the stuff that maybe it's like, okay, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Like, I just want to, you know, get back to rapping. It's like, okay, right. cool. Well, that's still going to be therapeutic for you. But so that's been a really, uh, you know, pleasant surprise to see um, how much some of those kids really, really soak that stuff up and it's really hitting home. Um, and then just on a, on a bigger level, even um, I am at times surprised. I mean, obviously believe 5,000% in, in this work and the power of hip hop to be healing and therapeutic and yet still am surprised at just how deep that goes at times. Um, even after years of doing this, still finding responses from kids or seeing things happen. Um, you know, kids saying that they love themselves a hundred times more every time they listen to a song they created, things like that, that um, 
you, for me, I still find a sense of surprise and awe um, at the power uh, that hip hop can have in that therapeutic capacity. So let's go there. Let's, uh, can you speak to some more of the maybe unexpected results or the really like life-changing results that you guys are creating? For sure, for sure. Well, I think I'll let Max unpack the one I just brought up a little bit because that was an experience. He, he really had a back and forth with one of our clients um, that led to what I, what I just mentioned and maybe he can unpack that a little more. Yeah, for sure. I mean, so this was a, a program we did um, a while back at Vallejo High, and this youth, you know, was really, really engaged in the program, and, and he, like, you know, really was 100% wanting to get everything he could out of it. So he um, wrote a, he wrote and recorded a, a really amazing song it's on our website. So, you know, all your listeners can definitely check it out on our website, which is rhythmicmind.net. Um, oh, we have a gallery page, and there's some songs from youth on that gallery page on the website. But this one is called Success Through Failure. And uh, it's a really powerful song um, on many, many levels because it's really quintessentially about, like, really the process of, of changing your story and reauthoring your narrative in terms of, like, your relationship to your pain and, like, your past trauma and the things that you've that you've been through that in some ways maybe you may see as, as negative and in some ways they might have created stories and beliefs that have really held you back or made you uh, kind of defined your your story in a very negative kind of light. Um, but in the process of creating the song, this particular youth really kind of went deep and changed his whole kind of relationship to all of that. And um, by the end of the, the song was over, you know, he really had transformed in a lot of ways. And after he got the, uh, well, I would say by the end of the, the program was over, but the culmination is, is the creation of the song. So um, when all that was said and done, he got his, his copy of the song, Mixed and Mastered, and he sent me a text message. And that's what he said in the, in the text message. He said, I can't stop listening to the song. Every time I listen to it, I love myself a hundred times more. And that was just mind blowing, you know. It was like I couldn't, can't really put it into words. Yeah, the sort of kind of experience and feeling that 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 gave me um, of just fulfillment. And that's really why we do this work and, and and to hear that. I mean, you know, Jonah and myself both worked as mental health clinicians for many years, working with at different nonprofits throughout different areas of the Bay Area, and um, you know, doing doing just that kind of work without always bringing hip-hop into it. You know, at times we did, but for the most part, we were also just mental health clinicians, you know, therapists. And, you know, I, I could say that I feel like I did, was able to get some really good work done with some of these kids for sure, but I never got outcomes like that. I never, no kid ever told me anything like that, you know, yeah. like yeah. myself a hundred times more. Yeah, so no, I think, yeah, for me, you know, that was, that's, uh, that's, that's head and shoulders and torsos and waists and, you know, significant numbers of bodies above any results that we got directly anyway uh, in doing more traditional mental health, for sure. Uh, and even even other stories that are, that are coming to mind, uh, uh, this was in a fairly recent group we did uh, at Hannah Boys Center um, up in Sonoma. And one of the, the boys in the, the group kind of just reflecting on some of the impact it was having. And this was in, even like in the middle of the group. So this wasn't even the culmination, but he talked about how um, he was noticing his relationship with his family had really been improving tremendously. Uh, his academic performance had just like 
skyrocketed. He was getting basically straight A's at that time. Um, and he attributed these, you know, different, different facets of the group to helping him show up in these different ways. He felt much more socially confident, feeling like he was kind of becoming like a, a popular kid at school, which was something that he had challenges with in the past. And yeah, so just, you know, just getting those kinds of, of feedback, often, often unsolicited from, from the youth. Uh, is, and is I would say, I'm not going to lie. I would, first, sure. And I would, I would say even some of the things that have been both like really amazing outcomes, but also like also surprises of like, because we also integrate a lot of mindfulness and grounding exercises and visualization and things that are, that aren't necessarily go hand in hand with hip hop, unless, you know, you kind of like find a way to make all that work. And, um, and we, we do that stuff as well. And even the receptivity and the impact of some of that stuff as well, of like seeing how, how uh, that can be surprising sometimes to see how much these kids actually really do are really into some of this, um, the mindfulness stuff. And um, I mean, sometimes we do it in a very hip hop format, like freestyling as a mindfulness exercise. But other times we're also teaching them, you know, breathing exercises and leading them through visualizations and things like that. And um, yeah, I mean, actually, I actually think the kid that Jonah was talking about, he actually talked about how um, part, of, part of what his experience was in the visualization actually gave him insight into uh, some things that before he didn't have, and that he, like, mentioned, he referenced that in one of the groups. He's like, oh, I was in class, and I was feeling like I was getting discouraged about this, and I didn't, you know, I didn't, you know, I felt like, I felt like kind of quitting or impulsively kind of leaving or whatever, but then I thought about that. And then I tried, I, 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 I like, I heard that voice and I acted differently. Yeah. So I think that's a subtle thing, but it's also a really, really powerful. Pretty profound, yeah. for sure, for sure. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll give you one more, just because this is one that really um, was another thing that pretty, pretty mind-blowing and um, much, this is a much later, kind of an after-the-fact occurrence, but this was a kid that was in, I think it was actually the first group Max and I ever did with the Breathing Mind curriculum. It was at a continuation high school in West Oakland called Ralph Bunch. And anyway, this young man um, came through our program there and he had some experience uh, in, in hip hop music, uh, primarily in beat making, talented beat maker, had written some rhymes, but the first song he ever recorded was in our group. And Part of, as Max had unpacked a little bit, these songs are around reauthoring your narrative. So it's this idea of like, what do, I'm gonna take my story and turn it into the story that I wanna live. Uh, and so he made a song also on the website in the gallery page called Golden Piano. And for him, he had, a, had some clarity around how he really wanted to use music as the vehicle to get himself to this future that he, he wanted to embody. And that future was also a future in music and, and thriving through the creation of music. Um, and absolutely, uh, he, he's gone on to do so. Um, goes, artist goes by the name Overcast, so O-V-R-K-A-S-T. Um, pretty prominent fixture in the local kind of underground hip hop scene here in Oakland. Um, but a few months ago, I was reading like a, a Ambrosia for Heads, which is like an online hip hop uh, publication. And they were talking about the new Earl Sweatshirt album. If you, you heard, Earl Sweatshirt before, yeah, so, um, and just like a review of the album, and they're listing production credits, and it says Overcast. I was like, holy shit, like, he, he did it. He went on to do that. Um, yeah, and so he produced uh, one, if not two tracks on the album, I forget offhand. Um, 
I had no idea that he was operating on that level, you know? Um, and yeah, crazy because back in the group at Bunch, he actually had talked about Earl Sweatshirt being one of his favorite artists and rappers. And now he literally, you know, manifested that dream that he set out for himself and went on to do production work. And he's just getting started, you know, as well, um, really. So that was, that was a, another very different dynamic than kind of some of the direct feedback, but seeing how, and not that we take credit for him working with Earl Sweatshirt by any means, like his right. talent speaks for itself, but it's all part of that whole process, right? Like he came through that process of reauthoring his narrative set that out for himself and now we're seeing that years later actually start to manifest powerful, powerful. yeah man. and he did at one point directly give us back what you ah, right on. Ah, as i'm just <clears throat> some of these stories are giving me feedback i mean they're, they're powerful they're so yeah. damn powerful you think about yeah. how you're you're changing the course of someone's life giving them not only a skill but an outlet a way to understand their past change their future yeah. no i mean and the thing is is like it is because that talent is there, right? In in these kids, and that and that ability to kind of, kind of um, actualize. And there's greatness inside of these kids, um, but they're you know not they're not always able to access it because you know there's trauma and other things that are that are in the way, and also because they haven't they haven't maybe um, been given a format that allows them to actually be able to. Um, to kind of utilize their own strengths and their own gifts and, and, and develop those, which, which is a huge source of confidence and self-esteem and resilience and, um, and the ability to, to kind of, uh, you know, use, use what you're, what you're innately given or, or at least interested or passionate about as a way to kind of thrive, like not just cope and heal, but also thrive and and find like your power you know so what i was going to say about like you know for overcast for instance is it really was a transformative thing for him because it wasn't just that we gave him a platform to do that or something like that is that we were able to provide him with a with a with space to go through, move through an experience where he could actually shed some of the old layers of who he thought he was and the things that were holding him back um, or causing him to not really shine his light fully on the world and be able to see it in himself the way that, um, the way that it, you know, he, he was able to afterwards. And that is, that is a really profound thing, you know, because like, like uh, again, I want to second what Jonah said, that we definitely don't take credit for him producing for Earl's Wetcher because he's an incredibly talented artist. Um, and... I also, I do remember in a conversation with him years back when he started to actually get some real gigs and started to, to become a little fixture in the Oakland scene. And he, he definitely act, he definitely said that going through the experience of our program is really what allowed him to kind of move forward in that direction. You know? And they like, so that's a kid like that wouldn't necessarily have done that if it wasn't for the kind of work that, that that we're doing you know that's that's why it's so it's so important because there's so many like geniuses that are just undiscovered um and they just they just need they just need something that's going to allow them to be able to discover that and then and then kind of hone it and develop it and then give it and then kind of give it to the world 
Are there many other programs out there like yours that are coming at mental health through this really innovative, culturally compatible aligned lens? I would say um, not like ours. Um, and not, not to say that, um, and I don't mean that in a, in a value way, because there are a number of other programs, some of which we actually work with uh, <clears throat> in partnership that do incredible work. So I don't mean to say that we're better or worse or anything like that, but our approach is definitely very unique and innovative. So um, in a lot of the specifics, I would say not like ours, but just in terms of using hip hop as a mental health intervention, uh, intervention rather. Um, yeah, there's, there's a handful. I don't, I don't know about a lot, a lot. It's still, I think, a somewhat underground movement. Um, we're somewhat even new to it. Hip hop therapy has, has been around for, for a couple of decades now, at least as a, a term coined by a guy named uh, Dr. Edgar Tyson. Um, mental health professional uh, worked in the East Coast um, and, and was really the one, I think, to first kind of put those two together and really start to unpack how, how hip hop could be used as a mental health intervention and coined the term hip hop therapy. Um, yeah, before him, there was a guy named Don Ellingen. I think that's how you say his name. And he, he wrote a book called Lab Therapy. Yep. So that, was the, that was like the first time it had ever been like looked at. It was yeah. And I think Ellingen, I think Ellingen was a little more for lack of a better term, you could say top down. Like yeah. he was coming from a mental health background and he saw that kids were into rap. So he was like, oh, I could do rap with these kids. Whereas Tyson was both. He was like a, grew up steeped in the culture of hip hop as well as then a mental health professional. Yeah. And so he was really fusing those in, in, I would argue, a more holistic fashion. Well, yeah, because he was also the first mm -hmm. one to really bring the whole culture of hip hop mm -hmm. all the mm -hmm. elements into right. the culture, instead of just rap as like this one art form you know, and kind of on the on the back of bibliotherapy and these other things like that. For sure, and for sure. Hip hop is a huge, huge culture. Um, you know, there's there's four elements to the culture. Some people would say five because they, they a lot of people would say knowledge itself is the fifth element. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but there's also a whole culture outside of even those elements too. So, um, I mean, I would say that those elements are kind of the foundation of that culture. Um, but there's a lot there's a lot to it. And for someone to, you know, to recognize all of that as like more than just like one little, one little kind of art form uh, that's, that's just like one, one piece of it, but more in that bigger cultural context, that's when, that's when it started to become like, okay, there's a lot of potential here. And then since then, there's definitely been, you know, um, not a lot, but there has been some books written and some and a lot of articles and, and things of that nature. And there are definitely a lot of organizations um, that do similar work, for sure. We have never discovered anything that is like our model um, in terms of being like what, what we design is something that's really structured and builds upon itself. So it's not just like we teach these kids how to make beats and write rhymes. We take them through a, a, a really kind of intricate journey of self-discovery, healing, and transformation, as well as the cultivation of, and, 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 and some level of mastery of, of certain skill sets in that process. Involving, involving a lot of different facets, like visualization, um, grounding exercises. Uh, we pull from a pretty wide breadth of both practice and kind of theory. Um, and some of that is because the grad school, a lot of that is just who Max and I are as people as well. Um, you know, kind of incorporating a mind, body, spirit dynamic. I think both of us um, had that before, that conception of kind of being a human being in that regard before we went to grad school, not to speak for Max, but I know him fairly well. I think that's accurate. 
but then the, the grad school we went to was actually a holistic counseling psychology program as well. Uh, there's really only a handful of them that are accredited master's programs in the US. This was John F. Kennedy University. And so in a nutshell, that holistic piece, uh, there's a lot of nuance to it. But for me, one of the easiest ways to understand it and talk about it is to say that it allows, not that it mandates, but it allows for spirituality to be a part of what it means to be a healthy human being. And traditional clinical psychology doesn't really deal with that at all. Yeah. So there was definitely elements of you know Eastern philosophy and practice and stuff that were woven into uh, a lot of our understanding of the practice of psychotherapy and mental health. And so that informs our program, of course. And I would also say that like, that's another piece that is also kind of there in hip hop because hip hop is, is in a lot of, in a lot of ways is informed by spirituality as well. And in, in many different forms, you know, it, it, it's, it's a pretty big part of, of the movement and where it comes from and some of the history of that. And I mean, if you really dig deep into like, you know, Islam and the 5% movement and all, all these different pieces, but it's also beyond any particular sect. It's a universal language and it has concepts that go very, very deep into spiritual teachings. And you have groups like Wu-Tang that we're pulling from ancient Eastern teachings and then bringing that into the music and philosophy of, of what they were doing. So there's, you know, and me personally, I would say that that's another reason I should have answered that earlier when you asked that question is like, how did, how did we come to combining hip hop and therapy? Well, for me personally, it was my therapy and it was extremely healing and transformational ever since I discovered it when I was like 11 years old. And, um, and it was a very spiritual thing as well. Like I found, you know, even just freestyling, getting into freestyling and, and, and kind of getting a sense of mastery over that and being with like my, my homies and freestyling and a cypher is kind of a term in, you know, in hip hop, freestyle cypher, uh, 360 degrees circle with the energy moving. And there were times where I felt like I was tapping into, when I'm in the, in the zone of that, I feel like I'm tapping into something that's absolutely spiritual. It's beyond me, it's beyond my ego. I have access to greater intelligence, greater wisdom, um, really amazing things that I wouldn't even like really say I could take the credit for. And, and, uh, and to me, that experience is almost like uh, having a conversation with whatever you wanna call it, that which cannot be named, the source. God, the divine, whatever you want to call it, that, that to me is, is a sacred relationship. I very much had a similar relationship with hip hop um, prior to the, the grad school mental health component as well. It, it um, was incredibly healing and therapeutic um, throughout many parts of my life. And, and it always felt spiritual. It did. It, it really felt like my spirituality, the, the, the kind of rituals of getting together. And, and you know, we would even do it like the same day every week. Like we had a Thursday night for a long time where we'd get together and cipher and burn incense and it like felt like a, a sacred ritual that we were engaging in yeah it does feels like you could tap into realms of consciousness and um even even uh, aspects of a divine source for sure um and that was completely i didn't know max at that time so those were two very parallel experiences and tracks but completely independent of each other and so what was that first artist that first uh, album mixtape whatever it might have been that sent you on this path when you're young towards yeah that's a hard question it's for me, for me, it's not quite that linear. It's not quite that linear. It's, I, I, I can't remember listening to a specific album or song that then like clicked in something around a spiritual sense. Um, it, 
it was more like something that as I got older in my own development, like, you know, was into this very young, listening to it probably from seven, eight years old, started writing rhymes at nine. And even so my own sign of human and psychological development paralleled my experience of the culture in the music. And, and I think as I got into my later middle school and in high school, I started to feel some of that aspect coming through, but it wasn't like I heard necessarily any of particular artist talking about something like that. It was more like a vibe. It's a feeling both mm -hmm. from listening to some to music and also from creating it. Um, but then a little bit later, there are times where I started to hear people touching into some of this more directly. And I was like, okay, cool. Other people feel this shit too. Um, one thing that stands out and I can't remember exactly when this came out, but this was, not to say this was the first thing, but it's just a lyric that really pops out of my mind is a Karis one song uh, called the MC. And he just goes through talking about MC, blah, 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 MC, this and that. And he has a line, he says, MC, voice of an ancient spirit, MC. And I remember hearing that and being like, oh shit, like, thank you for putting that into words, Karis. Like I have felt that. I felt like I have channeled some ancient spirit in MCing. Um, so yeah, again, not to say that was the first or anything, but that's definitely an example of seeing that reflected back to me through mm. through more uh, popular artistry. Yeah, KRS definitely has some stuff, man. He's got, like, so he, he's, he's able to, sometimes he's been able to, like, very, very, like, very, like, accurately and concisely and very, in a few words, really kind of tap into the core of what hip-hop is. Um, like, he has on, on one of his, not, not super early albums, but there's just one song, where he says he makes an acronym out of the word hip hop and he says um hip hop her infinite power helping oppressed people we are unique and unequal hip hop wholly integrated people holding omnipresent power so like that <laughs> like things like that it's like that's pretty like that gives you a little window into the power For sure. uh, that hip hop that hip hop has and I think that touches on kind of everything we talked about. Touches on oppression, touches on resilience, it touches on uh, spirituality, it touches on that universal language and, and that brings all these worlds together and connects people. Um, and on something that's kind of, that's sacred, he often refers to the goddess. And so when he says her infinite power helping oppressed people, he's talking about the goddess. So. Um, and it's not religious, you know, don't, don't get that twisted because that's not what it's about. It's about a universal language and, and, and truth that is, that's kind of beyond any of those things. It just kind of like it applies to everyone. Um, so yeah, and as far as like an album for myself, as far as like, I don't, I don't think I could say like, oh, well, this album really set it all off. But I definitely think like discovering certain things, like discovering um, groups like Wu-Tang and Tribe Called Quest yeah. and Nas and Gangstar and uh, Early Common and that whole that whole movement. I'm, I'm really just scratching the surface, but that whole movement, when I when I discovered that music, I was like, oh, this really speaks to me. It's like they're articulating kind of like an experience that I can't really put into words, you know, and the only way I could do it is through rap, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but the messages really, really spoke to me, you know what I mean? And I felt like it taught me a lot about myself and opened my eyes to a lot of things um, and was kind of a, a spiritual guide in, in a lot of ways, 
while at the same time giving me kind of like this feeling like I could overcome anything. And I had a lot, you know, and, and, and this feeling of, of, of confidence and, um, and the ability to kind of, you know, be an alchemist in some ways, like kind of like turning, transforming uh, a negative, challenging situation into, into something that not only I could rise above, but I could actually use to my advantage, you know? So now again, these are just scratching the surface a little bit, but I'll, that's what I'll say just to that. double back for a second, because you had asked around, you know, are there other organizations out there doing the work? And just to shout out a, a few that, that are doing some really great work, a uh, number of them in the Bay Area here, an uh, organization called Beach Rhymes in Life that's been around for a long time. Um, definitely some of the seed planting for me was becoming aware of them and, and using hip hop as therapy. Uh, an organization that we are uh, starting to really do some some partnerships with and really excited about some of the potential there uh, called Today's Future Sound um, that uh, they, they're, they're kind of primarily focused on beat making. Uh, the director is a, a friend of, of both of ours. Max and him have actually worked on some music together kind of in, in the years past before any of this. Um, so it's a bit of a, a reweaving of things. A guy named Dr. Elliot Gann uh, that he, he's developed what he calls a therapeutic beat making model. Um, and they've actually had some like peer reviewed uh, journal articles published on that and things like that. Um, yeah, he's really pushing the movement forward in a lot yeah. of ways. He's, he's out there making major moves, like pushing this movement forward and getting it the kind of credibility um, that it needs in the mainstream with some very, very important luminaries in, in the mental health yeah. field. Yeah, so, shout out to Elliot and today's future stand. Absolutely, absolutely. Another guy, uh, Dr. Rafael Travis, who wrote an incredible book called The Healing Power of Hip Hop. He's down in Texas. Um, he really does a lot of stuff around uh, positive youth development. He has a, a model he's developed. I can't remember the acronym offhand, but it's around positive youth development uh, and hip hop. Um, another yeah, guy. Oh, go ahead, sorry. Oh, I was going to say, um, J.C. Hall, who was actually a, a mentee of Dr. Edgar Tyson, right? Uh, who runs a pretty phenomenal hip-hop therapy program at a school called Mott Haven in the South Bronx. Uh, it's actually an award-winning short documentary that was made about their program. Um, so, yeah, those are a handful of people that, you know, doing some really profound work in the field. Uh, a number of them, we were actually kind of... Uh, Still, the sting is still there a little bit. We were going to be presenting at an uh, international trauma conference in Boston at the end of May, um, hosted by a guy named uh, Bessel van der Kolk, who is one of the preeminent folks in the research and treatment of, of trauma. And so we, uh, Elliot and Dr. Travis and J.C. Hall, Another uh, young man named Aaron Robin, Max and myself, we were all going to be part of a panel um, presenting on the therapeutic applications of hip hop in the context of a kind of cutting edge trauma treatment. And the sting is they canceled it because the damn virus. That is the sting. That's right. That, that is, is the sting. sting. Along with another, there was another Congress for in, um, the uh, on, uh, International Congress on School Violence Prevention in Mexico that we were going to go to. And um, we were also uh possibly going to be on that panel and that's also been canceled or well that one's been postponed so we're still going to do that one 
And this other one, hopefully, will maybe at the next year's conference, mm -hmm. the International Trauma Conference. Hopefully, we'll still present on the therapeutic applications of hip hop. Um, but it was definitely, it definitely, it definitely stung because we were really excited about that. We had been, we had been collaborating and, and meeting regularly with uh, all of our our partners and collaborators on that, and um, we were going to do some pretty cool stuff. Yeah, so, it, it was, it was, uh, it, it it is a big deal. I don't want to downplay that just because it's canceled, but to have um, hip hop be recognized on that that level of a stage again this is kind of the preeminent trauma conference in the world hosted by one of the leading luminaries in the field and to, to, to directly have us be invited to um talk about what we do um, and it was also just amazing getting to know the other people's work a little more yeah. uh this just popped in my head just in terms of the how dynamic this work can be uh aaron lives in new york aaron robin one of the other the members of this panel and he was doing work uh, in a homeless shelter with uh, some of the folks with like kind of even a fairly acute psychotic symptoms. And he was finding that engaging them in different facets through hip hop was helping to seemingly regulate their, their psychosis and have them start to be a little more coherent and, and be more verbal and expressing themselves and things like that. Uh, I mean, it's anecdotal, but just, just an example of how the extent and the power to which this kind of thing can be applied. Yeah, we think honestly, yeah. we're just we're just scratching the surface and just kind of at the f the forefront of this frontier. For know, sure, how much that still could be be discovered and unfolded as things go on in terms of the real power that this can have. Yeah. We're biased for sure, <laughs> but I I know from my own experience of how it's impacted me and and and, and outcomes. You know, we only kind of we didn't give we didn't go too into depth into certain levels of different kinds of outcomes we've seen with the youth we've worked at uh we worked with and uh it's pretty mind-blowing it's pretty mind-blowing so um, i'm you know we're excited to see where this journey takes us and where this field goes as a whole um, yeah. and just to clarify like kind of what jonah was saying yes when we say that we're we've never seen a model out there quite like ours because we have a very unique approach and we've innovated in certain ways and you know there's nothing that we've seen that does that has like a model that that looks like ours mm -hmm. but there's a lot of really cool other models too a lot of really cool other models and, and and innovative things that other people are doing that we're not doing you know so i think it's a it's a it's a collective um of a movement and um you know we definitely uh want to you know pay pay homage to all the work that everyone is doing which is which is kind of like hip-hop in my opinion when it's being done right you know especially before things became a little more not to downplay there's actually tremendous variety and phenomenal artists if you scratch the surface a little bit but i think in general on the surface level radio level things have become a little more like everybody sounds the same but yeah. back in the day you know you had public enemy you had tribe called quest you had nwa you had there all these like people Rick, yeah. Yeah, everybody had their own lane it covers so much ground and it's like that's part of what makes it dope is that it's this very dynamic well-rounded mandala of expression and so similarly just to draw a parallel there i think that it's exciting for me and i think for for both of us we've talked about this to be a part of a movement like that where where you know we're we're doing this thing here other people are doing that there you know seeing where they complement where they're different um all of that even bigger than just what we do it feels really exciting to be kind of part of this uh bubbling movement and I think, too, something that, I mean, I wouldn't say this is only unique to, like, the work we do or hip-hop therapy, but something I've, I've noticed more and more as me and Joan have continued to kind of go down this rabbit hole a little bit is, is that our model changes. It evolves. Yeah. We, we keep innovating, and we keep seeing how can we make it better, 
How can we make it more effective? How can we maximize and unpack these benefits, these therapeutic benefits of hip hop more and more and more in different ways that never take away anything from the original foundation and structure of a model, but just keep adding to it because that's part of what hip hop is about too. It's about evolving and continuing to excel at your craft. And I think, you know, anyone who's passionate about what they do probably would say the same thing, but, I, but that's a really important part of hip hop. It's like, you always got to be like, you don't just master your craft and then you're like, okay, now I'm a master. You like keep thinking about how can you continue, how can you continue to reinvent yourself and innovate and push the boundaries around things. Um, and even, you know, me and Jonah, I think are very much, we're, 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 we think pretty big. We have some pretty grand visions around how we can not only push those aspects, but also the entrepreneurial aspects of what we're doing and really move away from old paradigms of nonprofits and of the way that these kinds of services are delivered. Um, so that's another thing that we're always, we're always good. I mean, we, we were literally doing that just a few hours ago. We were, we were right. in conversation with just, you know, picking up information from different places and being like, oh, we could apply that to this part of the discussion group. That could be here. Like, so that always a student, always looking for ways to, to grow and expand and refine and adapt and all of that for sure. Well, I, I, it strikes me that we're at this moment in time where the service that you guys are providing is going to be needed more and more. I mean, every single day I'm in conversations with folks about kind of this mental health crisis that we're experiencing and this real. Uh, physical health crisis and this economic crisis. Um, so I got a challenge for you, Max. I, I got to hear you freestyle a bit. And I was wondering if you could weave in maybe a, a call to action, the last word, uh, your incredible prowess for the language. Okay, word. Yeah, I'm down. Um, don't sleep. Free, Jonah freestyles too, you know. I don't yeah, want to. Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't, don't want to like, uh, I'm the only one who does this. In this, uh, in this context, though, maybe I can make a, a beat. Yeah, you um, can, yeah, like a little beatbox for for Max to to rhyme to. So we yeah, I, I can't I can't beatbox for shit. We'll so, do a collaborative. Yeah. We'll do a collaborative effort here. All right, yeah, so down with that. Down with that. See how it comes through the speaker too, but. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, uh. Yeah, yeah. That's how we do. You know how we do with mine crew when I'm coming through. You know I rhyme true. I'm about to tell you what it's time to do. Yeah, this is the man. Go ahead and follow us on Instagram right now. Go to Rhythmic Mind One. That's how we do it every time the rhyme gets done. Yeah, and you gotta know it's live. Go to our newsletter and press subscribe on the internet. That's what we do when I spit it fresh. You know that I'm coming through. Yeah. Hmm. Well, what's next? You should really donate. It makes you feel fresh. That's how I do it every time from the West to the East. Yeah, because we're blessed with the speech and it's free. Got to keep it that way. That's why we're in the East of the Bay. Yeah, and the beast will display lots of tendencies. So we got to elevate the youth mentally to a whole new level. Never sell your soul to devils. And I told you several ways you could get involved in this movement. In this true shit. This is not an illusion. Nah. We got to start the hip hop revolution. The therapy, don't be scared of me. That's the solution. Yes, because we're blessed. Manifest. Follow us, and you can really feel the stress relieve off of your chest. That's what I said. Yeah, that's what I do. Is fit till the day I'm dead. What's next? Hmm. I guess 
you should really check out our interviews. They're fresh. Yeah, you should go to our YouTube channel. Actually, we have a blog, and that's the same handle. Yeah, just go right there. You can look at it as a dream or a nightmare. It's your own story, your narrative. You can tell it whatever way you want and don't be scared of it. Don't be a heretic. Nah, because I'm a therapist, but I'm also here to raise awareness in the Bay Area, breaking barriers. We're going to break into that where it carries us. Yeah. You go want to marry us. <laughs> I just playing, man. I just playing. That's how I do it. Every time that I'm slaying MCs, coming through, every time conveying these truths. When I'm in the booth, now I'm just freestyling for you and all of the youth. Uh, thank you guys so much for the awesome work you're doing out in our communities. It's really, it's really revolutionary, and we need it now more than ever. So appreciate yeah. you guys' time, your minds, your hearts. Appreciate that tremendously, brother. Appreciate yeah. that. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you, man, for having us. Yeah. And we, as you can see, we're super passionate about this stuff, so we love talking about it. So appreciate the opportunity to share with some folks who may have, uh, you know, may may never have heard of anything close to what we're doing. Anything else before we call it a wrap? There is tremendous uh, crippling financial hardship um, across uh, many, many levels for many, many people. Um, and organizations like ours, donations are, are part of the lifeblood. Um, and so if anybody watching this um, and looking more into the work we do and you feel compelled to, to wanna share whatever you can um, to help us continue to do this work, especially in these kind of dire times, uh, from the bottom of our hearts, that is uh, incredibly, tremendously, and deeply, sincerely uh, uh, appreciated. Um, and really, that's, that's whatever amount would be in any way possible. Growing up within the cross-section of economic, environmental, and racial challenges, many youth today experience tremendous amounts of trauma over the course of their upbringing. Trauma impedes emotional development, resulting in limiting of capacity to form and maintain meaningful relationships, and also disrupts the ability to self-regulate, to, to manage all these crazy emotions that live inside of us. So these youth come from cultures where conventional methods of talk therapy might not be the most effective. Innovators like Max and Jonah are serving a vital need. Bridging the gap of culture to provide effective trauma-informed services for underserved populations in need. Please check them out and support their innovative approaches to mental health and well-being at www.rhythmicmind.net or check them out on Instagram at rhythmicmind1. If you are battling demons in your mind, your body, there are many paths through. More and more research is showing that practices that connect us with our cultures such as dancing, chanting, singing, we all have this in our culture, whatever culture we come from, they have significant positive impacts. We're all struggling in this new normal, so please continue to take care of yourself, and I encourage you to take some of this time that we're all sheltering in to start up a new practice of self-expression or cultural exploration. If you need some inspiration or want to learn more about the guys over at Rhythmic Mind, please check out rhythmicmind.net and sign up for their newsletter. It's wildly creative, it's innovative, it's great content, and it'll give you an excellent idea of the magic that Jonah and Max make. Thanks for tuning in to the Onward podcast. It's your support, it's your feedback, it's your comments, it's your suggestions that are really driving this show forth. So if you've got any 
comments, feedback, questions, suggestions, connections, you name it, feel free to get at me at dweinzveg at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter at Daniel Weinsveg, spelled the same way. If you're enjoying the show, give it a like on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. Make a comment, share it with somebody you think could be inspired, turned on, informed by the conversations we have here. A little social engagement on this weird technology mainframe goes a long way. Before I go, I'd like to give a big shout out to my dear friend, Jay Lately. Jay Lately's music is the soundtrack to the Onward podcast. So if you dig the tunes that's behind the music, the the intros, the transitions, that's all Jay Lately. Check him out on Spotify. He's been doing this work, following his heart, inspiring folks with his poetry, his words, and his passion for over 10 years. So once again, thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, onward and upward. <laughs>